and we're back and we're recording a special episode post the Blood in the Snow Festival, which we both attended this year. Yes, we did. And my special guest today is Andrew from Geek Hard. Hey, everybody. Yes. And if you're having trouble telling our voices apart, it's because I foolishly sat under speaker at the last night party for Blood in the Snow and screamed for two hours over my three-speed beers and completely lost my voice. That's great. Yes. That's, that's how you, you went. You went strong there at the end. Though. Yeah. You went hard. I really did. So we both kind of sound like the child of Chris Pine and Jake Johnson today <laughs> and or the Mandalorian. Who, like, I still contend with the filter they're doing on Pedro Pascal keeps giving me, like, Chris Pine energy. Okay. Yeah, because they're giving him a little extra rasp. Fair enough. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah, that's fine. People love it. Yeah. No, people, people love that. It's very soothing. It's very popular right now. Yeah. Thirst Aid Podcast just did a whole episode on Jake Johnson as a thirst object. <laughs> yeah. They're like, yeah. he's, he's approachable thirst objects. Well, that's that's the thing that's come down, is that the, the more successful he gets, the better my love life gets. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. They're like, he's that guy in the bar that you're like, you know what? I got a chance. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Perfect. There you go. Perfect. So, <laughs> listener, we have a lot of festivals here in Toronto. Yeah. Um, I, when I was younger and had either... Um, connections that worked for them so I didn't need as much money or more time I used to do more of them I used to do the full hot dogs I used to do like a bit of Toronto after dark Mm. Uh, but over the past I'd say five years for sure it's been like pretty much only tiff for me right Uh, Toronto after dark is too close after tiff so I just like I can't like I got nothing left in the tank or the knees yeah but blood in the snow is almost like at a perfect time Except for it being at the beginning of cold and flu season. Yeah, yeah, it didn't work out for you there. Yeah, uh, I uh, I usually cover the After Dark Film Festival every year. Yeah, and for the past couple of years, I've been covering Blood in the Snow uh, remotely. I've just been doing pre-reviews, watching screeners at home. This is the first year that I've actually gotten out to the festival as opposed to just watching screeners at home. And they said this year was like their biggest for attendance ever. Yeah. Like, so it's growing year over year. It's been like eight years now, eight, nine years it's been going. Yeah, no, totally. And they, uh, they're really good at getting a lot of the directors there, which, well, helps when it's Canadian film festival. Yeah. So a number of people are already, you know, out of Toronto or Montreal. So yeah, and a lot of people travel. Yeah. It seems like a lot of people stay for the whole festival and that's not, a short amount of time. If you think of TIFF, where they only bring people in for like, I think max two nights. Yeah. Uh, this one went from November twenty first to twenty sixth. Uh, all of the showings were at the Royal. Yep. So West End kids, that's for you. Uh, that is a lot amount. Like a like a full week, people are staying in the city. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. six days. Yeah, a lot of them were there for the award ceremony at the end. As well, which they do the award ceremony live the night that they show, like, the last big film. And they just, because about only half of the people are there, mm. or there's multiple winners, they just whip right through it, like, in, yeah. like, half an hour, really. Like, Pretty if much. you remove the preamble and, like, the chit-chat, it's, like, a smooth 30 minutes. So it's even faster than if you've ever watched the TIFF Award podcast live, like, where they live stream the oh, awards. Okay. Yeah, it's less time than that one. Well, there you go. Yeah. So overall, really glad I went to this one. And I think I'm going to start going to this one more on the regular. Yeah, I think I'll actually uh, continue to attend there in person as opposed to just doing all my work at home. So. Yeah. My first two or three or four movies, it was like 50-50 for like female director representation. Right. The shorts were like legit good. Yeah. No, like uh, I think we both are can agree that probably one of the best shorts mm-hmm. is Now is the Printer of Our Discontent. Oh, my God. Okay, first of all, this title, Now is the Printer of My Discontent. Just let that roll around in your yeah. head. It's about an evil printer, which we all yeah. know from office space. Printers yeah. are inherently evil. Yeah, or from right. ever trying to refill one or seeing a toner low when you're at a critical moment where your boss, who also has the printer connected for some reason is asking you to print something and then the minute you go and you see toner low you realize oh that's why but an evil printer movie called now is the printer my discontent just i don't want to spoil it because it's a short if you can find it online 
find it. It was by this great collective, yeah. Camp 905. Camp 905, yeah. And that was the printer of our discontent. Uh, didn't realize how good it was going to be. And also, there's a setup at the beginning of the film. But the middle of the film is so good, you kind of almost forget the setup at the beginning so that when it comes back around at the end... So good. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. And yeah. it gets even funnier. Yeah. So. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I was really, really happy with that one. I think also meeting the Camp 905 people afterwards and realizing there's a sort of almost kind of... What is that group of people that did music and Feist was in it and whatever, broken social scene kind of collective of filmmakers that all went to college in the 905 area that are making films and supporting each other. It just makes me feel really encouraged about the local industry here. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's very cool, these collectives, because like some of these collectives that get together, you meet them and they're just a bunch of like people that just like, well, we all... uh, you know, showed up at some meetup and then decided to work together. And it's like, uh, but those guys, it very much seems like they're like a family, which was uh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. And she was okay that I completely like monopolized her at the drinks thing after. I think she's the only like filmmaker that I talked to for that long. Oh yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. I didn't actually, I didn't get to go to the drinks thing. Yeah. That night I had uh, I had another engagement, so I didn't get to go to the the final night, but I did get to go to the uh, the press day. Oh yeah, the Saturday I ended up talking to like a number of directors at that, and um, yeah, like Audrey Cummings and um, uh, Aaron. Uh, what's his name? Uh, give me a second here. So yeah, one of the things I liked about the whole press setup is that. It's right down the street. It's like basically half a block. Yeah, it's at the Super Warner Gala. Aaron Barry, that was another director that I got to talk to. Um, yeah. No, yeah, you got a lot of good stuff from yeah, people. Yeah, that was the other thing is that the accessibility for getting to talk to these directors and actors. And talk great. to them in person. You don't have to go through their publicist. And yeah, then later yeah. on, if they do something else, you can be like, hey, met you at whatever. No, no, totally, yeah. Yeah, so that's great. Yeah, they were all just there and super chill and having a good time and mm-hmm. watching each other's stuff. Yeah. And having the the drinks venue and the party venue. So they had all their party stuff, opening night and closing night at the Monarch, which is just down the street. Yeah. So another sort of maybe a block south. All the after stuff was Super Wonder Gallery. The other night of drinks that I didn't go to was just next door at the, the public. Oh, okay. Which was right next to Super Wonder Gallery. So in terms of like venue sponsors was great for that whole corner. Yeah, no, totally, yeah. Yeah, like they did a pretty good event. Like I was very impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will for sure attend this again. I would for sure recommend to somebody I've never recommended, you know what, just even see the shorts. Because you could end up seeing a feature one that's not to your taste. Yeah. But the shorts, there was everything in there. No, totally. And well, that's the thing. They, they're very... Um adamant about their shorts programs they're very vigilant about the shorts programs because they started out originally as just a shorts festival so they take pride in their shorts now that they moved to features it's not like they've suddenly you know made the the uh, short second class citizens they've given them primetime spots they've given them like really good pieces of real estate at this festival so yeah they have three straight up shorts programs and then an additional web series program which is also like a shorts program too so. yeah yeah. I was a bit bummed the directors of Docking didn't show up. Ah, yeah, Docking. Because uh, I was wondering just what they based their models off of. Were they models? Were they real? Because they were very, they seemed very lifelike. Right, yeah. Two, the, like if it's animation, it was very lifelike animation of two. Giant uh, phallus. Giant penises yeah. in space. Yeah. Docking. Um, I remember though when the film when the shorts ended and all the directors got up on stage, and they you, weren't there. You're yeah. like they weren't there. And you said, said what happened to docking? And I just said they didn't come. It's still funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I should have warned my uh, former comedian co-host this week to not make me laugh that much. Sorry. Yeah, it's Sorry. okay. It's fine. Yeah, I just, I dropped another register, though. Okay. So, I think I'm Jake Johnson now, and you're Chris Pine. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Fair enough, yeah. fair enough. So you're the pretty one. 
Oh my god. Yeah. So yeah, two giant penises docking in space with like a, a foreskin connecting them. That was more like a concept short, but even that was pretty good. The music's good. Sort of like the way the yeah. camera comes in underneath, you're thinking, they're not really doing this, are they? Yeah. And then, you know, it comes out, you see side view, and then you <laughs> see the other one, and it's even more uh, impressive. Yeah, and it, that was a lot of oh, fun. Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was good. It was definitely a lot. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and they also, they grouped their shorts sort of, try to do it by theme. So they had the emerging screams, which was new people. Yeah. And then, yeah, so they had the web ones. And then what was the theme for the other one? Well, there was Funny Frights, which yeah. was the comedic one that we saw. And then there was... Um... Oh, yeah, Dark Visions was the other one. A collection of the darkest, scariest, moodiest, and most intense. Right, I can't remember yeah. if it was Dark Visions or Emerging Screams that had uh, the, uh, the, the short from uh, Newfoundland, uh, New Woman. That one was pretty interesting. That was in Emerging Screams. Yeah. yeah. It had uh, amazing production values. Looked gorgeous. Was, yeah. Amazing looking yeah. film. And, and a trailer for it, too. Like, yeah. the guy got, like, a really good trailer for that. And it kind of gave way to, like, you could tell that they had probably, like, they have, like, a longer story to tell with that. So it's, like, a good proof of concept as mm. well. Yeah. So every program had, like, good standouts. So Giltrude's Dwelling... There you go, Giltrude's Dwelling, yeah. Which won a couple awards on the last night. Uh, was probably the most, I would say, visually rich. Like, production design. And made me think, this is a concept that could go straight to series. Yeah, no, totally. You could, yeah. you could do it as just a straight-up kind of uh, fantasy-type folktale meets sci-fi series. Or you could do it as a kid's series, too. Yeah. It's like... You totally do that for, you know, child fiction as well, yeah. Yeah, it was gorgeous. And then EXT, which was the sort of, looked like previs for a video game I would love to play. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. No, the, Kara G was in that yeah. as well, yeah, yeah. So good. So good. It looked like basically one of the best kind of, like, video game intro demo cutscenes I've ever seen. <laughs> no, totally. Yeah. Very much playing with the idea of uh, AI and... Um, Kind of like post-human existence. Battle yeah. of the machines sort of thing. The digital people versus uh, kind of more cyborgs type and thing. After in the Q&A, you realize it looks so good um, because they actually shot a lot of the, the snow plates in real snow. Yeah. And he was sort of talking about the challenges of like having like the one winter of no snow where they needed to get their snow plates. But yeah, it looked just really gorgeous and rich like the snow stuff with the sort of robots fighting in snow and that one they had sort of like a there's like a real life kind of robot-y versus like a 3d projection yeah kind of theoretical fight about like what you know humans versus like these sort of robots plus some human feeling left in them yeah it's, yeah. it's like kind of like the war of digital evolution yeah 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 i don't even know what it was about but it looked fucking gorgeous <laughs> yeah. it was one of those ones where like the, the concept she is high or i was drunk or both but <laughs> i was like i would watch this or buy this video game no no totally yeah yeah, yeah. i i definitely i went in with sort of middling expectations mm. but i came out thinking this is if not doing the whole festival, I would definitely want to at least see most of the features. And I might even do what I did this year, which is avoid this Saturday night, which is the one night where I think they actually had big crowds. Because right. all of the movies they played, including the closing night, where it would have been easy for anybody to just walk up and see Z yeah. or Z. I think they called it Z, even they though... They called it Z, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like that one, that one could be released. I think it is. It, it's gonna get. Yeah, I believe it's got it's got a release, and I think I think they went with the whole going with Z because they want to have it sell in American markets. So yeah, yeah, so yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, so okay. if you had an evil movie about a couch, you call it Couch and not Chesterfield. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but uh, was it? Uh, yeah, no. Z was Z was really good. I enjoyed Z. I thought the acting was really good in it. I was worried because uh, things with. 
kids getting angry. I don't know. I'm not a big fan. Like, I'm one of those people that hates a Christmas story because there's so much kid yelling in it. Yeah. So much kids just yelling. Well, creepy so. kids in general. Like, I still have nightmares about the kid from Looper. Like... Are you still, okay, Looper. That kid from Looper? I had a very different view of what that film should have been. Okay. So the entire time... When he'd almost shoot the kid, yeah. I was rooting for him to kill the kid because I was like, "It made sense I'm to me." Bruce Willis in this whole—I mean, <laughs> and that would have been so interesting because you never would see that in a movie. No, totally. You would never see your hero just say, "All right, I'm going to shoot this kid because yeah. this kid's going to grow up to be evil." Yeah. It's like that whole like, "Would you go back in time and kill Hitler?" Yeah. Thing. It's like, well, I produced a comedy short based on that premise. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah, so when they did say, oh, this one's got creepy kids, I was a little bit uh, ruh Yeah. But it was good, and it wasn't too heavy on the kid. Like, yeah. by the second act, it shifted to being more about the mom. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, that's the thing. They never really lost the, uh, like, the, the, the narrative focus on her. She was kind of always... It was obvious that she was the main character for the piece. So that was, that was good. That made it more palatable. Stories about an evil kid, where it's from the evil kid's perspective, it's like that. And for a horror movie, there was only one scene where somebody was in a bedroom, and I felt like, uh oh, no, like in a bad sexual way, but still scared. Um, mm. So that's good. Um, so no gratuitous uh, tatas. Uh, it did have the trope of, you know, your typical gaslighting, like the husband just doesn't believe it. Yeah. Like, even when he has to help paint over, like, the crazy pictures that the kid's drawing on the wall. Yeah. It's like, he's not that bad. <laughs> no, yeah. it's, just, it's just an imaginary friend. It's okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hiding the letters that, like, the school sent about the behavior. Yeah, the yeah. one thing I didn't get about that film, though, is that uh, Steve McCaddy plays a psychologist in it. Mm. And it's very obvious that he has kind of picked up that... It's more than just an imaginary friend because it's, you know, because of the lineage of the, uh, of the imaginary friend. Yes. But then later on... when He, he doesn't seem he, to buy into it at all. He doesn't yeah. seem to buy into it. It's like it's a total switch. Yeah. That was the one thing that bothered yeah. me about the film. And I was like, wait a second. He kind of already has evidence to show him that it's one thing. And he's yeah. gone back to thinking it's the other. Yeah. But I, that sort of goes back to the typical sort of gaslighting thing. Mm. Uh, with almost every horror movie... If the male characters believe the female characters early, you'd have a lot less body droppage. Right. Yeah. That's all. Fair enough. So, if anything, he did like the worst kind of gaslighting where he made her think that he believed her early on, but then still didn't really. Mm. Yeah. 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 Which was a bit of a bummer. But overall, uh, entertaining film. I was uh, I was happy with it. Yeah, it was really good. The one I liked way more than I thought I would was Puppet Killer. And that was the one that gave me an actual legit nightmare. Like I went oh, home. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like your evil laugh if you having like a puppet-related nightmare. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like the, the, you know, it's like just what it is. It's like a puppet that kills people. Yeah. It takes place at Christmas time. It's in the title. Yeah, and yeah. it's uh, it all takes place in a cabin in the woods, but the weird hook to it is that all of these teenage characters are played by people in their late thirties to early fifties, <laughs> and it's very obvious that they are. Yeah, so the age casting is the one sort of thing that is a bit off-putting. But the more time, if anything, that's passed between watching the movie and now, the more I'm like. Nah, that was just a good movie. And, like, the age thing, I'm, like, more over it. Right. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah, so Puppet Killer, also good. If you, you know, think puppets are evil, which also, yes, children, puppets inherently, children, printers and puppets, all inherently evil. Children, printers, and puppets. That's the name of my next movie, (laughs) which will only be screened for Petula to just freak her. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. That will give me more nightmares. No, totally. But my favorite film Mm -hmm. of the festival is actually the one that kind of really isn't horror. There are moments that to be in the situation would be horrific. Kind of falls into sci-fi, but it's not like super sci-fi, and that is magic. Did you get a chance to see that one? I didn't get a chance to see it. You didn't get a chance to see that one? I do want to, though, and it was nominated for a bunch of 
Or it's even the the actress. She was there actually. Oliver and Caddy. Yeah. Yeah, she was there. Yeah, I got a chance to talk to her and the director Aaron Barry. And uh, yeah, so the idea is it takes place in two thousand eight, and it's a uh, a video blogger and podcaster who is known for being a skeptic. She's a conspiracy theory debunker. She gets contacted by this uh, elderly gentleman who claims to be part of this clandestine group known as Majestic Twelve which was a secret government organization that was set up after the um, UFO sighting at Roswell. And the more she dives into this and the more she finds evidence that it's not true, odd things happen in her life that now make her think that she might have actually stepped into another reality. And so when you're a skeptic, to then be put in a position where you're now becoming the thing that you've been rallying against for so long it's a very interesting character piece most it's all on paula brancati's shoulders as well mm-hmm. she's like in every scene uh, i got to talk with her about it and said said i guess the stress and pressure that your character is going was pretty easy to manifest since this entire film is like intensely on you and she was like yeah no no it did bring like a whole new element to my performance so it's like yeah it's, for me that was hands down my favorite film at the festival and it's one of those films where it's like it's all on the performance. There isn't a like major special effects. There isn't tons of different uh, locations or stuff like that. It's pretty much just the uh, the one character interacting with various other characters who all or none of them might be lying to her. So, yeah, it definitely looked good, and I do want to see that one. It was nominated for a couple of awards. She was runner up, uh, but the person who won for best actress is your homegirl. Whose name you could say, but they were not able to pronounce <laughs> that night. Uh, she was there. She was super hyped to get her award. Yeah. She was super hyped cheering for Audrey when she won her awards. We'll talk about Audrey Cummings later. Uh, and also, she was in another one of the movies that was features as well. Deep Six? She was in Deep Six, yeah. yes. Yeah, so she was all over like this festival. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, she never died. She's all over everything. She doesn't stop working. Yeah, she never died. I really liked the sort of the energy they gave her character and the way it was treated. It was kind of, I don't want to say gender neutral, but I will say it was sort of like the most um, gender neutral uh, representation of a character like that, even though they did make one of your, if you think of, the evil people as bosses, they did make one of the boss fights like a woman on woman because Alina Kay's character is like a good person that eats people. Um, yeah, yeah. The whole thing is she's, a, she's yeah. an immortal that can't be killed, but she has an un, uh, insatiable hunger for uh, bone marrow. Ooh. And so instead of just killing random people, she decides, I'm going to hunt down bad people, drug yeah. dealers, human traffickers, things like that, and eat them because they already suck. Yeah. So. Yeah. And she gets some good, like, life coaching tips, like refrigerator. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's good. She, she, ends up, she ends up becoming kind of like the, uh, the vigilante answer for a cop that's just tired of seeing the, the bad guys win. Yeah. And got the great fun fact in the Q&A about... How they built the fingers that her character eats. Uh, was it like a, a gel gelatin-based exterior, but with pretzels inside for the crunch? Yeah, for the crunch, yeah. For the crunch, that's, yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. That's... Yeah, because she's really eating these things. Yeah. And you always think, is this like a, you know, bake-off kind of situation where it's a lot of Mars up hand or something or whatever. So, of course, there's your corn syrup blood. Everybody sticks with the corn syrup blood. But, yeah, to get that crunch on camera because it's, you know, a low-budget Canadian movie. Like, that was practical effects. You're no, getting totally. your crunch from the exactly. pretzels and the fingers. You get, you get it right from yeah. the sound there. That's yeah. very, that, no, that, that's very cool. This film also features probably my favorite supporting performance of the festival. Yeah. And that is uh, Kiana Madeira who plays Susie, which, you know, some people this year might know Kiana from the uh, Netflix series Trinkets. And in this... She kind of has the exact same energy as that TV show, and her energy is just so... Is that the Kleptomaniac show? Yes. Okay. It's the Kleptomaniac show. Yeah. Uh, what you got? She, her energy in this is 
so um, so like excitable and like bubbly and right to the surface that it counteracts and plays off of Olenike's very stoic, angry kind of performance. And like the whole film, I think, can be summed up, like their whole dynamic can be summed up with just one line that uh, Olenike says to Kiana, and that is, I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of beautiful shots, although if I were, if I were working for that website, One Perfect Shot, there is one perfect shot where Olenike's all chained up. Right, yeah. And is just about to start to work her way out. And so it's sort of like first dislocation. It's just gorgeous. Like the composition of that shot with all the chains around her, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So it's not just it's not just people eating. It's it's art. It's yeah. artful people eating. Oh, well, it's funny you say that because the... the um one of the antagonists in the, the piece, uh, Terrence, who's played by Noah Danby, he is uh, he's a vile human being. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's a sex trafficker, but he's also he loves to kill people in uh, what he considers artistic ways. He sees himself as an artist. Uh, when you love what you do, it's not work. There you go. Yeah. But the thing that's uh, funny about that is that at no because we know as the audience uh, what Olenike's character, what uh, what Lacey is. We already know that this guy doesn't stand a chance. And so I asked him, I, the thing is I got to talk with him. I said, how do you play a character that it's like, it's almost like you have to play it like, instead of like, oh, I'm going to get you more like, oh my God, you just won't go away sort of thing. And he said, yeah, because because when him and Audrey Cummins talked about it, the whole idea is that he should play the character more exasperated, like, will you just go away? Will you just die? Sort of thing, as opposed to, I'm going to get my vengeance, or we're going to get, you know. And that's why he comes up with the idea of the um, the video uh, pay pay per view thing mm-hmm. with her in the chains of like we're going to watch her get cut up and stuff because it's like it's art to him. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's also one of the the few movies where you see like the side by side of the lead actress and the stunt person. The lead actress is actually more physically imposing. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, people always say, "Oh, I did most of the stunts or whatever," and you know, maybe they did it, you know, slower, less intensity. But the stunt person actually not just did it, but did did it for lighting setup, did it right. for like all of the long shots, did it for whatever. I can imagine there was probably a fairly even trade off for her and her stunt performer for this one. Oh, yeah, most likely. Yeah. 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 Oh, totally. She looks like she could really mess with you before she eats your fingers. Right. Well, the yeah. thing with Olenike is that uh, to find her character, she uses uh, an animal, and she picks an animal to represent that character, and then works out from there. Apparently, for Lacey, she used a combination of panther and gorilla. So... I very much can see that. Yeah. Yeah, because there's sort of like a, a sleekness when she's being stealthy. Yeah. But also, it's very sort of barbarian and Diablo when she's going. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hold on. So the gorilla is very much. Yeah. 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 So. I, I can see that. Yeah. It really speaks to the performance. Like, I can see why she won Best Actress. Like, right, yeah, no. Well, Magic was probably. Magic was a really good it, it performance, could have been a and it was it was very yeah. For me, it was sort of like with Magic, Paula Bernacchi's performance fit the piece. I feel that Olenike's performance and She Never Died actually shines even bigger than the piece itself. Mm-hmm. Like it's like her performance can't even be contained by the narrative. It's almost like the narrative takes a backseat to just us watching this character. So. So the other movie that won a lot of awards was Dead Dicks. Um, unlike docking, it's not about penises. There is a giant genital on a wall a debate in the movie. Ping pongs between vagina or anus, but not a dick. Uh, the the main characters are Richard. Yeah, the main character is Richard, and he uh, he's in a bad mental state. And he, unfortunately, tries to take his life. But every time he does try to take his life, a new copy of him pops out of the wall. Yeah, it's sort of like if you take the whole um, ancient one explaining what happens if you take a time stone or right, one yeah. of the stones out. out of the thing. Yeah, that it creates a timeline. timeline. 
This creates a new Richard. Yeah, Richard so, killing himself is like taking uh, an Infinity Stone out of the timeline. Yeah, and yeah. so yeah, so his sister. Um, what's the sister's name again? I can't it didn't really pop like Dick. That's cool. no, because well, that's the thing. His name's in the title. Yeah. That's, that's like I will also sister. say while we look at the sister's name, the vagina slash agent's wall. Becca, there we go. Gave me shades of like the the shit wall in Hunger, uh, one of Steve McQueen's earlier movies, where the prisoners in the in the Irish prison use their feces to sort of draw um, these kind of circular designs on right. the wall in the prison. Just a, like a random tangent. There you go. Well, yeah. that's, that's cool. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the sister, Becca, she's kind of spent most of her life cleaning up the messes of Richard because he's kind of a mess of a human being and he needs help and he hasn't properly gotten it. So he's become dependent on her and she's allowed him to be that. And so, of course, when there's a bunch of dead dicks in his house, he calls her to help and it becomes... What originally is like, well, let's, instead of trying to figure out why this is happening, let's just try to get rid of all these dead bodies, but then one thing leads to another, and it becomes, uh, oddly enough, like, even though it's very dramatic, it's still a comedy of errors as well, Mm -hmm. and uh, what I was really shocked at, though, is that with this kind of odd premise, and the fact that it is a lot about death, the film is really about healing family relationships. And that's, that's what really impressed me about it. Is like, I always like it when it's like somebody can take a crazy genre idea and really get into like an in-depth, you know, kind of emotional story. And I felt like by the third act, they had really earned the emotional story they were trying to tell. Yeah, you could feel the brother-sister connection because for me and for a lot of people, you know, family, it's, sometimes it's too much work. Mm. Because for me, if I was that sister, one, just knowing this guy's history... He calls, I'm forwarding a voicemail. Or <laughs> yeah. if you go over, you see the situation, it's like a hard U-turn, like I'm out. Yeah. But the fact that she even like came in and tried to like help Fix the situation, back, yeah. Like by the third act, to your point, you understand, oh, like there's there's something deeper here. Yeah, and like I think it's also throughout the story, Richard himself kind of comes to the realization of how much Becca has been there for him, which is something that he's kind of always taken for granted, which is why he never strived to really get better, you know? Because, you know, and that's the other thing, it kind of, for a film that does, A, has suicide as its catalyst, and B, has a lot of jokes in it, it does a really good job of showing the problems with mental health that it's like these are things you have to you have to find somebody else you can rely on to help you get through that and then but you have to be willing to fix yourself sort of thing as well you instead of wallowing in it which is what Richard has kind of been doing most of his life he's been wallowing in his own mental health problems yeah he's a hot mess yeah and I didn't like it as much like I was a little surprised to see it winning that many awards I could see why it did but like personally I liked some of the other ones a little bit more right but it's also one of the movies where I would say that with a little more time or whatever especially some of the uh, visual effects with that scene at the end which we don't want to spoil um I could definitely see it being shown in more venues right yeah yeah yeah, no, like, I thought I thought it was... I think because I actually, going into it, I had no real expectations of it. And, like, by the time you had watched, I think so many people told you how great it was. Because a lot of people were talking about it at yeah. the festival in time, how great yeah. it was. So, like, even before you sat... You saw it in the theater, and mm. even before you sat down and saw it, there were so many people already telling you yeah. how great it was. Whereas I had kind of, because I wasn't there that evening, I avoided all that and just got to watch it on my own at home with no real, like, kind of hype to it. And, uh, yeah, it, it surprised me. It really did surprise me. And then the one that I definitely, and this is probably only because of my whole Star Trek, Battlestar, whatever love, that I was way more into, even than I thought I would be, was Deep Six. Deep Six, yeah. I was, like, balls deep on Deep Six from the jump. Like, it, you give me, at the beginning, Tamo Peniket yeah. in what looks like a busted old raptor, like, I am in. And then from there, it was this kind of mix of your normal kind of 
on the job politics, like people jockeying for promotions, you know, fucking their coworkers, all that good stuff. Yeah, it just happens to be happening on the space station. Yeah. That's stranded in deep space. But then there's also some high concept, like mission, and there's some sort of perhaps other, maybe there isn't, like throw in a couple of AIs. So you have sort of computers of personality. Yeah. Which we all love, whether it's Interstellar or Star Wars, like, or even just an elevator voice on a Star Trek. Everyone loves a computer with a personality. Right, right. But yeah. One of the, the, the space station's personality, uh, Delphi. Yeah. Uh, we, the two of us, got to interview the actress uh, for that uh, like a whole month before that. Which yeah. Which pretty cool. Yeah. So... Yeah, uh, Helen Johns, yeah. That one was probably one of the ones where I was the most like, don't add, don't add, don't add. Like, I want to see more. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. It's, uh, we got to see it as like a 70-minute film, but it's actually a web series. Mm-hmm. It's available online right now. If you go, if you look up Deep Six Series on any of the socials, it'll take you to the YouTube uh, channel. If I think even if you look up Deep Six Series on YouTube, it'll come up. Um, and the thing that's really funny is that the guy, the main guy behind who had the initial idea for it, he had done a web series previously for Geek and Sundry called Space Janitors, which was, you know, a sci-fi comedy about janitors working on, like, a Death Star type thing. And, uh, and yeah, this was... So a lot of the people that kind of worked in the backgrounds on that worked on this as well. But this is, like, straight-up hard sci-fi. And, like, we're talking, like, hard sci-fi. Yeah. It's not, there's nothing fantastical about it. There's nothing action-adventure about it. It's about... These people are in deep space. The science is... Science is this found in fact to the point where they have a great catchphrase. And what's the catchphrase again? Space is hard. Space is hard. That's right. Yeah. And uh, what's got the? Uh, so it should be great for your podcast. You should do a full like deep six episode. We Geek did. hard. Space is hard. Well, we had when the show was being uh, developed, like when they were actually working on it. Sorry, uh, we had Mika Collins, who is uh, the co-writer of uh-huh. the piece and also the star. She played um, name. Who ended up? She was the one who had to go out on the space mission, and everything. Uh, we also had Michelle Morgan, who, uh, of course, was the uh, I can't remember her character's name, but she was the uh, the one who ends up becoming flight commander. And uh, yes, yeah, so we so a lot in the pre-production, and that was years ago. Like I'd say maybe like two, three years ago, that we had them on while they were making this show, and uh, and yeah, and uh, just waiting to see it and hope that it would turn out well, and it turned out really well. It was gorgeous. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah, no. Really, really good, deep, and the idea is that, I think the, the idea is they put the web series together in hopes that somebody would uh, eventually come on board to make it a actual, like, series series. So, because, like, on, in the, in the web series, I think episodes are about 10 or 11 minutes long. I think they want to eventually do, like, hour-long episodes, so. Yeah. So that one, I'd say, is, like, a good segue to my question to you. If you had unlimited funds, which one of the things that you saw would you want to give money to? To either get it distributed, or in the case of the shorts, maybe get it made into, like, a series, or in the case of, like, a feature, give them more money to, like, add some polish or do the stuff that they... Uh, wanted to do so for me it would be for sure deep sex right yeah like at the end of that I was legit screaming like no I want more I don't know what happens yeah you were, you, were, you were very upset that yeah. it ended on a cliffhanger yeah, yeah. very upset <laughs> yeah I would give all of the money to deep sex all the money to deep and sex. like I, I throw like a bonus to like the camp 905 kids there you go yeah um, I'd have to say I'd give my money to to magic I'd love to see it get uh, bigger distribution, you know, because it's right now it's doing the festival thing, um, and I'd love to see like a large, large audience of people get to see it because uh, I thought it was really smart and really engaging. And by the end of it, you know, like you as the viewer is questioning everything, and he actually talks about they they talk about things like the Mandela effect and things like that. And when they spend a little bit, a little more time than they need to explaining that type of stuff, they actually present it in a way that it's sort of like, yeah, you people are wrong. <laughs> it's like the Mandela effect is just collective misremembering, you know, and stuff like that. But they do it in a way that isn't as harsh as I was just now. So I don't say magic would be the thing that I'd want to throw money at. But 
Hey, since you had like a little caveat with Cam 905, I Deep Six, I give the little yeah to as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. so, were there any other like specific films or filmmakers you want to talk about? Um, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that we didn't either even focus on, or in my case, even watch. Like Nights Before Christmas, Hunter's Moon. Um, I watched Hunter's Moon. Yeah, I'm gonna leave it at that. And we're <laughs> And that they had on, like, this, I think, the Saturday slot. They had it on the Sunday. Or, uh, they had it had, Sunday, Sunday, and it, had it was a, sold out, yes. Yeah, there was a lot of people there for it, yeah. but... Well, it, it had, because it had a really big cast. Yeah, of, like, named people. Like, named people, like, you've got, you know, classic actors like Colm Fiore mm-hmm. and uh, Art Hindle, but then you've also got a few up-and-comers who, when they made this film a few years ago, they weren't as well-known, but now they're getting more well-known, like uh, Supinder uh, Ratch and um, Ari Millen... And uh, people like that. So. And Happy Face as well. Like, we didn't really talk about that. I didn't get to see Happy Face. Yeah, me either. And, but that one was another one for even just thinking about representation and, like, things you don't normally see, like, or people that don't, don't normally get to be kind of featured in films. That's another one where um, what I love about what they did from a programming perspective for this festival, they really had, like kind of a full gamut of like things yeah like in front of and behind the camera no totally and also I felt that I like it when genre film festivals are willing to go hey we know we're genre but we're not going to be very rigid so rigid about it yeah and uh, so like in the the funny frights thing one of the uh, one of the comedies was not sci-fi or horror or anything like that you know like the last last heist is really just a comedy short. Yeah. And they they still programmed it. And I thought, oh, and it fit with the program. So I was like, I was happy with that. There are some places that some genre film festivals that are very rigid. I'm like, no, if it doesn't automatically fit everything, like these 10 things, we're not going to let it play at our festival. So I do like the fact that they are a bit more open and not being be like, it can only be horror, you know? So Yeah, like they let you color outside the lines of high concept or weird laughs as opposed yeah. to expected laughs. Yeah. Because, uh, like, again, Magic, that's not a really a horror film either. Yeah. You know? Deep Six, definitely not a horror film. Yeah. So. So, yeah, they definitely include kind of sci-fi and, like, even EXT with the, like, basically beautiful 3D animation kind but of But that situation. was still kind of scary. It was scary, but it was definitely more... Oh, it was definitely more in the sci-fi realm. Yeah, but yeah. But it still was scary. I was scared. You were scared? I was scared. They were scary. Yeah. <laughs> see, puppets got me way more. Puppet, than no, little, see, I like, love puppets. Though. Robots in the snow. Puppets will never scare. If there was a killer puppet, it would kill me because I'd be like, oh my god, it's a puppet. Oh, it's, I'm dead now. I mean, obviously, Baby Yoda would kill all of us because it's so cute. We just let it but come we, right up to us and, and stab we'll, us in well, the throat. It wouldn't even need to come right up yeah. to us. Sadly. It would eventually just be able to use like its mind. It could force choke, yeah. but. <laughs> So. Baby Yoda's working on its ability to use right, the force. Right. In the meantime, right, yes. it could just, you know, those three little adorable claws. Like, I would literally pick Baby Yoda up and let it slip my throat. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Puppets, man. Yeah. Puppets. Yeah, puppets That's what we got to cool. watch out for. I yeah. mean, Baby Yoda's trending higher than, like, all of the U.S. Democratic candidates combined, I think. Yeah. Well, that's the yeah. just so, so the puppets Baby and Yoda, the robots. Baby Yoda for uh, 2020. Yeah. That's puppets a- and robots <laughs> will kill us all. Yeah. Overall, I love the festival. Like, I love the programming team. Some yeah. of the most like polite volunteers. Oh um, yeah. My only note um, would be something they can't do anything about. It's the height of the seat back in the royal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've gotten. Seats are out there. I'm getting spoiled, listener. Uh, those those tall seats at the light box. The replacement of a lot of the seats in Scotiabank. You know, the removal of, like, the trash theaters that they had in the old days, the Cumberland, um, Manulife, whatever. Like, yeah, I'm used to, like, a certain level of, like, seat back and a certain amount of leg room. Mm. Leg room is okay. And, like, the views, because they don't get overly full, you can, like, find a seat to have a good island. Yeah, But... Well, that's yeah. the thing. Like, they, most of the time when we were there, we sat on, like, the side aisles, and it was still a really good view. Yeah, I love really can't say I love their spot on the side. You really can't say that for a lot of the like newer theaters. Mm. Side aisles usually automatically mean crap seating. 
Uh, whereas with this, they were just as comfortable as sitting in the middle. So. Yeah, and you can get liquor there. The concession prices are like reasonable for movie concessions. Yeah. Uh, the while I'd say in terms of representation and even people working for the festival, it was very sort of you know gender blended. In general, most of these kinds of genre festivals, it's a bit of a saucisse fest. So the lineup for the ladies, aces. Like every time I, <laughs> every time I went to the bathroom, it was just like in and out. It was good. So like all of that. I didn't have to learn any lines for the bathroom either. I think yeah. there was just a lot of like better bladders there. <laughs> yeah, the concession lines were a bit long, but by like the third night, everybody had figured out the workaround of just watch the short. And the minute they start the credit for the short haul ass out to concession that you could get your, you know, if you want to get popcorn or soda or a beer, like you can get that much faster than that. Because the, the line for concession, I'd say was the only mm-hmm. sort of whatever. And like the first night it took them a while to like set up um, the handoff from like regular programming to the festival. Well, see, I think also the first night it wasn't even that it was regular programming yeah. it was the festival. It was another festival yeah. handing out to this festival. Yeah, but there's a lot of festivals that play at the Royal. So yeah, but they ran no more behind than TIFF does for the whole first weekend. True, like yeah. TIFF, the first weekend, every theater is running, you know, anywhere from like five to sometimes 15, 20 minutes behind. Mm. But this is like it's only one movie theater. There's lots of places around nearby to just you know sit in and grab like a coke or a drink or whatever and you can just like eyeball and see if people are lining up or getting in already so it's a, i highly recommend this like next yeah, year no. i am going to if not book time off because most of the stuff is in the evenings yeah it's all pretty much in the evenings. yeah, yeah. like saturday and sunday there's stuff throughout the day yeah but most of the movies and like even the shorts programs are like after business hours I would definitely plan to do, if not the full thing, at least three nights. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, actually, overall, I had a lot of fun at this festival. Uh, it's a very accessible festival. Um, and, like, the the after, the extracurricular activities with the festival, I like, as you said, are all within walking distance and are very uh, welcoming. Whereas you go to some of these smaller boutique festivals and it's like, oh, yeah, we come over to this for the... Uh, after the thing and it's like you go over there and it's like everybody's just talking to whoever they came with That's but this it's very much like a very communal like a stranger gave me a piece of his pizza there you go I, I've talked previously about my you know propensity to take candy from strangers meet randos at like podcast meetups and go to their murder basements so it's you know a murder basement I'm getting tired of you like giving this a terrible rep I know it's the longest con ever too so if yeah. you ever do murder me one day it would just be like well she knew. <laughs> but also, like, we were in line, and, you know, I recognize a lot of movie nerds from, like, other meetups and stuff. But this guy I didn't know, but he was eating, like, a whole... Was it a Papa John's? He got a whole Papa John's pizza. It Was was it before the weird interview where Papa John talked about eating, like, 30 pizzas in a month or 40 pizzas I, I don't know. I think it was. Anyway. Well, yeah, he, uh, what you got? He, he got through about... Like eighty percent of it, yeah. yeah. Two thirds of the pizza, and then start yeah. offering the last couple of slices to other people. And I was hungry. Yeah, and uh, Tula accepted a full slice. Yeah, and yeah. Then we, then we had to talk to him for a bit. Yeah, See, nice, nice enough guy, but just you know, usually with those sort of like, I can tell when the conversation is going to be like get weird. Yeah, and I could feel it off this guy, and it did. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> but I was hungry, and I knew. I know you were pizza. hungry. I understand. Yeah. No regrets. <laughs> But it was just as soon as you as soon as you said, yeah. Yeah, I'll take the slice of pizza, I was like, oh crap, we're gonna be talking to this guy. <laughs> That's my bad listener. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Pizza from Strangers will be my horror movie. Pizza from Strangers will probably be your biography. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or something that somebody writes about me. Yeah, as I said, bi- I didn't say auto I didn't say autobiography. Right, because I, I won't biography. be alive to write it. No, yeah. no. Yeah. It'll be the story of like how like I finally met the stalker that yeah, finally did me in. That's right. Yeah. I've had other stalkers, but like you've had stalkers. Well, definitely when I was younger, listener, when things were high and tight, it was a real smoke show. So <laughs> yeah, when I worked retail back in the day, I had one stalker that would occasionally send gifts to my home oh. from different florists and demand that like the there was no name anyone I would call and be like, who sent this? Like, they wouldn't tell me, like, 
the name of the person who sent it. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that went on for a while. And then, like, the last big bouquet was, like, right around Valentine's, which is, it was a beautiful two dozen roses bouquet. Listen, listener, when it was high and tight, it was high and tight. Like, <laughs> you don't even want to know. I, it was when I was hungry, didn't get OSAP, was in university and working retail. So, you know, I was on my feet a lot. Uh, not a lot to eat, um, but my natural body type lends to wrap video home when I'm well fed. So when I'm not, it's it's pretty good. So, and I just bought like the most expensive pair of jeans I'd ever bought in my life. Like they maybe cost sixty dollars, but I mostly bought really cheap jeans up at that point. Okay. See, I almost blame those like secondhand wash five hundred ones for the stalker situation. <laughs> Because I tried out those jeans, I was like, oh my god, my ass is a poem that I could read all day. I was an English major then. That's where the Nazis came from. So yeah, when the final bouquet came for Valentine's, this was gorgeous, but also terrifying. Um, and then after that, the person like finally called the store to try to like have an interaction with me. And I was just like straight up like, dude, I'm terrified now, so no. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you'd approached even yeah. after the first one, like, maybe. Yeah. But, like, now I'm scared. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, thank you. So, oh, I never yeah. met them in person. I don't know how long they continue to watch me at that store. I don't know if I interacted with them in person. I've had, like, other, like, situations, but that was, like, the, my only, like, true stalker. Okay. Yeah. When I was, like, young and sort of... You know what? I'd say every young girl needs to survive and live through and not be harmed in a stalker situation. So you sort of get the idea that um, if you feel like there's eyes on you, like listen to that feeling. Like Oprah says, like, you know, we ignore animal instincts. Like, you know, a rabbit will hunch in the woods if it feels a hawk fly overhead. Yeah. And people don't listen to that instinct. It's a real tangent, but it's still kind of lends to the genre no, there. No, totally. Yeah, so, yeah. So basically yeah. what you're saying is listen to the hunch. Listen, listen to the hunch and, like, stay sharp out there. Yeah. yeah, after that, I was a lot more careful with, like, getting home from work. It was, like, a, a shitty retail job, and I didn't yeah. have, like, a car, and I'd often work till the stores closing. Yeah. I was a lot more careful about, like, how I got home. And you know what? I'd say, yes, I'm making trash money, but if I have to take a cab the odd time just to be sure, you know what? Right. Let's do this. Yeah. Well, you progressed, but you're still taking pizza from Stripe. Because they still that's somehow, because that's the thing, like this person still somehow knew where I lived. Oh, yeah? Because the flowers didn't come to my work all oh, the they, time. They, they came to my to house. house. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. God. Yeah. So, I guess we did leave you with a little bit of a chill up your yeah. back there, listeners. I'm so, scared, huh? Yeah. And I'm scared for you. You know what? <laughs> Stalker, if you're still out there. It doesn't look as good as it did back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So unless you were a feeder and you wanted to put, like, anywhere from 20 to 40 LBs on me, then I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. And we're out. <laughs>